Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire Football Podcast Preview Extravaganza. Um, what do we got, Matt, here? Team 2, MWR.com. I had to think what team we're on. We're on San Diego State, right? Yes, we are. Uh, how are you feeling about the Aztecs? Well, um... <laughs> well, no, okay, no, we don't need to dive right that quickly. We are making our shows kind of just, uh, if you're Aztec fans, that's all you get. So, uh, But we'll get to it, right? I guess we should give our requisite MWC wire. Top 50 countdown, we're studiously going over our notes to see who should be ranked where at some point. And that'll be up yes. during the summer. So it could be up now if you found this in August, or it may not be up yet, but watch out for the top 50 event. I had an idea. We need to, If we can make it work, because somebody suggests Google Forms, we're going to do that. We need to maybe get some reader slash listener input and see how we can calculate that in a manageable, scalable way. I think that might be something new we do. Very interesting. So we'll see how that goes because you calculate a top 50 with about, what, 15 people-ish? It's mm-hmm. not too easy, right? It takes a minute. It, it takes a little bit, yeah. So if we have 100, a couple hundred, oh boy, that gets hairy quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if anybody so if anybody does a good uh, a poll website, I guess, uh, or ranking website to calculate for us, let us know because that would be very helpful. Just uh, You can message us on Facebook or MWCR on Twitter, but... Uh, We'll get that later, but we're on the Aztecs. Where should we start? New coach, like one of the other many teams in the conference? New coach, uh, old coach as well. Exactly. But is this the uh, third best coach ever for San Diego State, Brady Hoke, behind Rocky Long and Don Coriel? I mean, he's definitely in the conversation, yeah. That's also a good and bad news. you got a great coach ever, but that means your history is not so great either. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, if, we were, if we're going to start by kind of looking back at how they got to this juncture, you know, they they won ten games last year, fourth in five then, years they've did that. But then you know it was also the kind of season where when you look back and see how it unfolded, you know you can't blame some Aztecs fans for just kind of wondering what might have been. Yeah, because on the one hand, you know you had a defense that might have been the best defense that Rocky Long ever put together. Ooh, it's just in terms just in terms of SP plus, they finished fifteenth, which. Um, when when Long got hired away by New Mexico earlier in the offseason, I put together a tweet and I couldn't find it, but I'm pretty sure by SP plus this was the best defense the Aztecs ever had under him. I can but, I can see that like they had a lot of games where I'm just looking just I didn't do that much research like historically, but like their points allowed is pretty good like throughout the season. Like they here's one key indicator you know it's good defense even though they lost they held Hawaii to 14 points. Come on, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, but you know, on the on the flip side of that is that when you look back at you know whether by the advanced numbers or by the traditional numbers, you know what really held them back was the huge disparity between how good they were on defense, and on occasion how frustrating and ineffective they were on offense. You know, just going back to SP plus for a minute, you know they were 15th on defense and they were 122nd on offense, oh. and. That was the kind of thing that really betrayed them in the three games that they ultimately lost. You know, they lost to Utah State, they lost to Nevada, and they lost to Hawaii by a combined 13 points. 
And all three of those have scored fewer than 20. Yes. And there's also the 6-0 victory over Weber State, mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, you got the victory. But there's other other things, other things too last year to kind of wrap up kind of what happened. Like the it was their first year to switch out of the to the shotgun offense. Mm-hmm. Same basically the same setup. They're still running the ball, but there's no like Nick Bodden or was it was Nick Bodden the fullback? Well, I think it was they had Isaac Lutter, uh, Isaac, Lutter. Isaac Lesser. Lesser, okay, that must have been a couple years before. But the fullback position's kind of gone away. But the st- style of running, like what they wanted to do, was still in place. They wanted to run the ball and. Going to shotgun, it's not that big a difference, but having a lead block, blocker the past, what, five to seven years really helps out pretty good when you do that. When mm-hmm. you can, when you have a guy in front of you plowing away, give you extra room to run, but now you're doing it almost on yourself, or it would have been a new person regardless, so there's that. Maybe a tight end can block, but maybe not as efficient. It changed their production. Also, you had Jawana Washington getting hurt. He was not, never healthy throughout the year until what game three or four or something got hurt and tried to come back it didn't quite work he tried to play through the injury far too often and that hurt them as well and we'll see how it goes this year because washington's gone to have it we'll get to it all but quarterback new quarterback a lot of new new tight end a lot of key players are gone but they have the depth there but last year that's their what they normally you're right the disparity they're so good like i remember i work with a guy scott mitchell he went to university of utah he had one year where as like his last, junior year before he left University of Utah, he never went to a bowl game. I don't remember the record, but they are four or five, not bowl eligible, four or five wins. They had number one offense, number two, number one, whatever, last defense in FBS or 1A at the time. And yeah. like they had games where he played Air Force, they lost, and he had he threw like 450 and like five touchdowns, and they still lost to Air Force. Mm-hmm. And so like if you have that disparity, that's not going to be good. Even for how good the, his offense was back then, they're still losing more than they won. And they got to kind of close that gap a little bit, which it's it's, it's nothing new, Matt, to the San Diego State offense. It's always been offense has been not not overall, but like they've been behind the defense, and mostly it's been passing game. But it's almost always been defense really really good, running game really really good, or well above average passing game. Meh. But last year when the, when your running game goes south. Like, they still won 10 games, and we're talking like they had a bad year last year. It just seemed, you're right, frustrating, disappointing for, had Washington or any running game been what they typically could have done? Like, like this is no hyperbole, but those games they lost, they could have won all those games and gone undefeated, possibly. Mm-hmm. It was that close. It's the one-score games like we talked about last week with Colorado State and Utah State years past. Yeah, and that makes kind of the most pressing question, in my opinion. You know, not only do they have a new head coach, they have a new offensive coordinator in Jeff McClinsky. How is he going to retool the offense? Because, you know, we already talked about SP Plus, but just in terms of yards per play, this was the worst offense in the Mountain West last year. It was one of the least explosive offenses in the country, just in terms of the number of 30-yard plays they had. Um, maybe a, a not so fun fact for Aztecs fans, but they were dead last in the country with just 10 plays of over 30 yards. That's not too surprising. We don't want to be dead last. There were 43 players in the country who had that by themselves. <laughs> 43 players. Yes. Oh, that's, that's, that's some good numbers there. 43 players. Aztecs get it together. Come on. Yeah. And it's not like they were, they were totally disastrous on a per drive basis, you know, they, but they were 91st as far as points per drive earned you know it was 1.89 but that was a far cry from what they were doing on defense you know you go to to brian Fremo's website bcftoys.com you can kind of see again that disparity between how good the offense was or excuse me how good the defense was versus how how often the, the offense struggled because they finished 31st in net points per drive you know they were well above average but you know again there's that disparity 91st on offense fourth on defense and so there, but, you know, beyond that big question, there's these little questions, you know, starting with the quarterback situation. You know, we thought for a minute that they were going to have Jack Sears in the fold and he was probably going to have the inside track to the starting job. Nope. But now he's at Boise State. For some reason. And, <laughs> and so they're kind of not to say that they're back to square one, but that's just maybe one of, you know, if we're looking if we're going down the list of the questions you have to resolve. You know, who's going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be Carson Baker, who, you know, he only started one game last year and didn't look out of place with the kind of production that they had been getting the last few years from Ryan Agnew and Christian Chapman. You're too kind. That BYU game he played was awful. Well, I mean, if you look at the stat line, it was <laughs> it was fine. 
<laughs> like, I'm not going to say he went out and set the world on fire, but, you know, he didn't make mistakes. And, You're right. you know, like Agnew had done for pretty much the entire season, you know, he didn't make mistakes either. And so I, I wonder if that will be something that, that Hoke and Heklinski continue to emphasize, um, you know, not necessarily opening it up all the way and expecting them to go back to being kind of the, the Ryan Lindley Aztecs all nope, over the place. No, nope, not going to happen. But, you know, if they want to strive for more balance, you know, to get maybe a little bit closer to 50-50 as far as running plays versus passing plays, you know, how much are they going to ask Carson Baker to do? Or is he even going to be able to earn the job? Because Jordan Brookshire is still around. Yep. They brought in another transfer from Georgia Tech and Lucas Johnson. So they've got options. But I would not be surprised if it's the kind of question that lingers even into the regular season. Like if they give more than one guy playing time in the opener in Sacramento State, for instance. They should. They should, and I think that, you know, that's not an unreasonable course of action because I think you want to give yourself as much time as possible to evaluate. You know, again, because not not that you're expecting someone to go out there being an all-conference performer, but that you're showing, you're, you're finding the guy who can be the kind of disciplined playmaker that the Aztecs have really become accustomed to. It's true. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let me step back to go to Jeff Helinski really quick. Or Helinski. Okay. So... Did you well? First off, he was Aztecs before, so there's that because familiar. He's coached with Brady Oak a couple times. Did you know being the offensive coordinator at San Diego State is his highest position as a coach? It'll, I have not noted that it'll be his first time being an offensive coordinator at an FBS school because he was he was a Kansas last year tight end coach, OC at a couple FCS spots. So there's that. Just, just so people will get perspective of what he's done. So he was the assistant head coach with San Diego State, so there's something, or associate head coach, whatever you want to list it. Coached running back. So he kind of coached a lot of different positions, which is good. He's well-rounded to be an OC. Tight end coach, Kansas, running back here at San Diego State, wide receiver at Michigan with Hoke. So he's, he has the ability. Like I'm not knocking him. I'm saying his high-level experience may not be there We're calling plays at this particular level, but he's been at enough high-profile schools, Arizona, Michigan, Kansas. So... There's that to consider, and I was looking at Kansas last year. They had a couple, it's a decent wide wide receiving group. Tight ends can't seem to be found too much. They had a couple guys in the top top seven in um, various numbers in the Big Twelve. So, but remember Brady Hoke. You mentioned Ryan Lindley. He was with Brady Hoke, and so are they? They're going to probably what Matt, slowly transition to a more open passing game like they did with him. Maybe you would think because. Hoke, last time around, he was a smart move. Who, who did he take over before? Chuck Long? Was that the coach? Uh, yes, I, I believe. believe so. So they were running, running, running the ball crazy, super tight, pro style. Aztecs kept that essentially after Hoke left, but his first time around, he slowly transitioned. Like He may have run his similar plays he wanted to run, but he wasn't running with three or four wide and shotgun. Mm-hmm. So I would expect the same thing, and they're already kind of moving that direction anyways, and he's been around, so he's no dummy. He's going to keep it fairly similar, you would think. But you're thinking, like, I, I don't know if you saw the post I we put up recently, the a 2021 Camino Aztecs, pretty athletic guy throwing the ball, jumping over people behind his back, doing some pretty athletic things with the ball. And so maybe that type of guy, like, not necessarily a dual threat guy, but more of an athletic guy who can make some more plays. You would think down the road that's the case. But this year, one, I would expect it to be similar to last year, be partly because inexperienced quarterback, you lost your best tight end, like, offensive line could do, like, Keith Ishmael's gone from the line a couple and there's stuff like that on offense where you don't want to make a drastic change with all these new guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're looking to make the optimist's case, and I think that there is one to be made, if you look at his two years that he spent as the offensive coordinator at Indiana state, you know, he, for, in, from year one to year two, which I think was actually probably more of a year zero to year one situation. Uh, Cause in that 2017 season, they went 0 and 11 and were basically one of the worst teams in the FCS country. They were losing a lot from, you know, the previous year. But, you know, you look at 2018 in particular, they rebounded to go 7-4. and four. You know, they were 
you know, they, their average yards per attempt in the passing game jumped from, I think, like six and a half to nearly eight. And, you know, in terms of yards per play, they were averaging nearly six yards on a, you know, per play. They scored 44 touchdowns. They were, they went from averaging 14 points a game to 31 points a game. That's good. That's and obviously so I think, excellent. And so I think that's, that's the kind of progress that you're looking for, you know, when you bring a guy like Hickling in, because it's not like the cupboard is bare. So, I mean, this is not to say that, you know, the 2020 Aztecs on offense are going to be as as dire a situation as it was uh, with the Sycamores back in 2017. Of course not. But I think, you know, you kind of start looking at what they have coming back. And I, in my opinion, it's kind of easy to pick out who you, you know, who I would say are maybe the most important guys to step up. Listen, we mentioned quarterbacks, so we just go to running backs. Yeah. Because they lost, obviously, John Washington. But they have like Chase Jasmine. They have other guys coming in. I think the running game will be fine. Like yeah, ta- I mean, the talent think, is you know, good. You know, question one A: Are yeah. they going to have one bell cow kind of guy like they have in the past, or is the committee going to actually take a step forward collectively? Because you know, you mentioned Washington wasn't necessarily healthy all of last year, but the guys behind him, Jordan Bird, Jasmine, Kagan Williams, Chance Bell, you know, they all had mm. opportunities here and there and none of them really stood out. So they didn't. Yeah. I would say with that, I think like I would say Washington may have been forcing himself back in there here and there. Because yeah. well I mean I'm not I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that like, they had chances too, you know, you're right. They had chances to really kind of seize that job when he was less than hundred percent and nobody really did that. And also coaches played the guys that yeah, I know he's your best player last year, but why not if he's not healthy, like it's a point, like not to go off anything, but if your guy's not right to play, players lie. They'll say, "I want to play. I'm not. I'm not hurting. I'm fine. I'm healthy. I can be out there. I can play through it." And clearly, he couldn't because look how many games he missed and barely played. It didn't look great. And so, at some mm-hmm. point, Rocky Long or whoever's out there, you got to tell him, "No, dude, sit down and play and not play." But he's out there. They're going to give him the ball. They could have suited him up and not played him. And so, you're right. There's two things. You're right that nobody stood up, but also. Long needs to be a man and say, no, you're not playing. You're hurt. We're going to have these guys play. Uh, who knows if it would have been different? Like, would they have had a, a couple more touchdowns, you know, maybe a couple more yards here and there? But when you're running through all these different guys, you're blocking for different guys. That shouldn't matter too much blocking. But they need to step up and say, hey, you're not playing or something because you're not right. And so that yeah. that's part of an issue too. But you're, you're I'm not discounting what you're saying at all. They had plenty of chances. Those three guys had about 280 carries. And had, what, six touchdowns, I think? Nine touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is, like, you know, depending on how you want to cherry-pick the numbers, you know, if you take Washington's numbers out and you just look at what, uh, I think it was, uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull this up as I'm talking, uh, Bell, Jasmine, and Bird were able to do combined, you know, those three, I think, would have ranked in roughly the middle of the conference rather than next to last on a per-carry basis. And they'd have about 1,100 yards overall, it looks like. Yeah, but even then, you know, some of that is based on really small sample size. You know, Jordan Bird, for instance, had 355 yards rushing last year. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, two-thirds of that came in two games against New Mexico State and in the bowl game against Central Michigan. Where Washington didn't play in the bowl game. Yeah, so again, it's just going to be a matter of, you know, can one guy step up and kind of be the man on a consistent basis? Or, if, you know, if they continue to go in this committee path, just, you know, are those guys going to be as productive more consistently? So who would you pick? Like the guy who played the most of the year or the guy who had two breakout games? It's hard to say. I mean, I think that I would probably go with Bird, especially since kind of like, you know, Washington and, and Rashad Penny before him. You know, he's also shown versatility being a return guy as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that might also be part of the argument for limiting his exposure in the running game as well. So it's really... You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. That's probably like you got the quarterback thing, the competition. But I think this, how they settle the running game situation, like it needs to be some sort of hierarchy because it's hard to get a rev- rhythm if they run it. I don't know what they. Well, I'll look it up here in a second as we're going. But like they it's ran fifty six percent of the time last year. Yeah, there's that, and then like the amount of carries. Are they going to evenly split those up? Like you're, that's hard to get a rhythm if you're in for if you get basically. 30, 30, 30, then 10% to whatever else. Like, that's mm. hard to get going. They need to have, like, your main guy. They can still have, like, a, a essentially a co-starter, sort of, but they need to keep it that type of way. Because San Diego State's done it before, so this is nothing new, but they have new coaches around doing it. They'd have a good 
like what they've done in the years past. All right, you're getting like 60% of the carries. This guy's getting maybe 30 and 10 for the running back situation or even five. Mm-hmm. Like they've done it before. That's what they need to do to have – they can put both of them out there and fill at the same time. If one guy can catch better, he's a pet receiving threat. Other guy can run. So they can have a comp- – maybe that's something. Have a combination where, oh, they got two running backs. You're definitely running. But if you have a pass catcher back there and maybe the other guy blocks, there's a lot of creativity they could do to keep defenses off guard. Because there's some team, teams have tells all the time. Oh, this guy's out here on third down. You know we're doing this. Or there's uh, odds are they're running toward this type of play. But with that versatility they have, it's like it's this to me the biggest position to look at to how they they have the talent. It's how they handle and I guess organize the talent. Mm-hmm. So well, I, it, yeah, you know, the nice the nice thing is that at least they have a, a pretty deep and pretty solid group of pass catchers to complement the running game. So even if it takes a while for them to get going, like if they can resolve the quarterback situation sooner rather than later, you know, I think there's potential for this group to grow kind of like they did last year, you know, because, you know, they're losing Parker Houston and that's about it. Like everybody, everybody mm-hmm. else is coming back. And when you kind of look at this at the stat line that you know individually they were putting up last year, they were a lot better than they had been in years past. You know, Jesse Matthews, for instance, was not only one of the better narratives. You know, he was probably one of the more underrated players anywhere in the conference last year. He had what 48 catches, 633 yards, former walk-on, earned a scholarship for seemingly making at least one highlight catch every week. Mm-hmm. You know, between him and Kobe Smith who had, you know, 58 catches, 691 yards, four touchdowns. That was the best year maybe since 2013 by an Aztecs pass catcher. You know, he's coming back. They've got a young tight end, Daniel Bellinger, who should be able to step up and replace Houston pretty easily. And then, you know, they've got behind them role players like Elijah Koth, who missed time with broken hand last year. He's back. Ethan Dado is back. So, Again, it's it's a very interesting group where if they want to take a small step closer to being kind of a 50-50 kind of offense run to pass, I think they've got the playmakers to do it. You know, But like I said earlier, I think one of the biggest questions is can they find the guy to be explosive? You know, In the same way that if you're looking at a recent example, someone like Tri- Tri- uh, excuse me, Fred Trevelyan seemed to be that guy for them in years past. You're right, they have the guys coming back, but it still rolls back around to who's going to throw the ball to them. Like, how good yeah. can that guy be? And that's that's going to help the new quarterback as well, Baker, whoever it may be, Georgia Tech guy coming in to transfer. It's going to help him out because the quarterback's new, clearly. Limited playing time. But if you have a decent running game, which they should have, or at least guys who've been, who've been able to handle the ball, an above-average receiving group compared to Aztec's prior standards, it's definitely going to help bring in this new guy because everybody's learning the offense. It's going to be a little bit different with um, obviously no Rocky Long, new guys coming in, but that's going to benefit like the quarterback. And so it's just if they can start working, I think when are the Aztecs returning to campus? Was it mid July? I think they said early July, I believe. They're yeah, bit, I believe they're. I believe it's July fifth, if I'm not 5th? mistaken. And they're one of like because California's a bit different. They're coming back a bit later, but if they get together, work out, maybe they can do it now. If there's a depending where everybody's at. But getting those guys together, but having that group who's been around, that's going to do nothing but help. And so it's, I don't know if the group will be as good as last year, but it's going to be one of the better groups they've had. And for San Diego State to have experience receiving group, and if they want the quarterback to be limit the mistakes, as what they do, like say a Christian Chapman type quarterback or in that range where you limit the turnovers, you're safe with the passing game. They may, they're, I'm pretty sure they're going to pass a bit more than normal because that's what Brady Hook wants to do. He's just, yeah. he's just not going to go out and go 70-30 when he probably should be keep that those two kind of closer in the elevator, closer together. Small correction, by the way. They're they're aiming to come back on July 7th. Okay. I knew it was sometime in July. So it's uh, it, it, plenty of time. We'll see. Hopefully everything works out well. But Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, and another point in favor of maybe having a more balanced offense is despite losing a couple of key pieces on the offensive line, one thing that they were able to do pretty well last year is keep the quarterback upright. Mm-hmm. They had a 4.8% sack rate allowed, which was top 40 in the country. And, you know, obviously losing someone like Keith Ismail, a multi-year all-conference starter, is going to hurt. And Deshaun Dixon may not have been quite as big as name, but it's it was still very good in his own right. They still got like three or four starter slash rotation guys coming back. Yeah. You know, including, you know, 
including a guy like Kyle Spaulding, who's a multi-year starter at left tackle. You know, William Dunkel, who, by the way, Pro Football Focus rated him as the top-rated pass-blocking right guard in the country last year. Pretty good. Yeah, he's coming back after a redshirt freshman campaign. So it's. Did you mention William Dunkel as well? Yes, I did. Okay, I was I was going through the all conference list, and there was a honorable mention. Sorry, I was reading as you said it, probably. So, but it's so always I mean, you know, always Dixon a position of strength. Gonna be, they're going to be big shoes to fill, but I, I have confidence that they'll be able to figure it out. You know, whether they slide someone like Jacob Capra inside, mm-hmm. um, or just you know promote someone on the depth chart like Chris Martinez or something like that, or Dominic Adino. No, that's definitely what they they, they like. I don't want to just say oh, they'll be fine, but like they have guys coming back. Yeah, and guys who've played, and it's typically over there. It's been a position of strength. Like, yeah, those guys to the NFL, like Dixon and Ishmael and stuff. But right, moved on. But it's going to be it's going to be helpful. But it's going to be with those new guys coming in. It's, the sack rate's probably going to get a little bit worse. But if they can still keep a pretty good rate, that'll be fine. And that's where Hope could come in, where they may pass a touch more because if people stop in the run, they're going to stack the box a bit more. Most likely, they don't want to get beat. And so if they get that play action going to pass, this, that'll it'll all help altogether of what Hoke wants to do and what they have coming back to help the new guys as well up front. But they recruit well. They bring guys in. It's just, oh, we get to play games. Let's figure it out. We play Sac State the first week of the season. They're, hopefully there's time to get ready and get going. And it may not be as good as last year, but the odds of the Aztec line just decimated and being bad, no way you take that bet. They're going to be pretty good. may not be the best in the league, but they're going to be at worst top half, and that's probably good enough. Well, you know, one thing that'll help? What's that? Is uh, practicing every day against what might be the best defensive line in the, in the group of five. Ooh, they got some pretty, I think I've heard of a few guys on their, that side of the ball. They're pretty good, right? That's not hyperbole either, if no. you look at what they were actually able to accomplish last year. They are really good, like um, just like what Cameron Thompson. Thomas, he's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, who else we got here? We got uh, so I'm just gonna, a couple guys. There's plenty of guys. A lot yeah. of guys. Sorry. I didn't have my defensive line listed in front of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm just, I was going to throw a few numbers out there just to kind of give people the sense of how good this line was or this front was because I think you can give the, the linebackers a little bit of credit for this as well. Of course. Number one in the country in line yards per carry allowed. You know, number four in opportunity rate. You know, number four in power success rate. Number two in stuff rate on defense. So it wasn't that they were doing just one thing well. You know, they were doing a lot of things really well. Oh, definitely. And, you know, to your point, it's not just one guy. Obviously, Cameron Thomas, I think, has been a guy who's been highlighted, you know, by people, mm-hmm. you know, who use advanced analytics like Pro Football Focus as being an All-American type performer last year. But, you know, you look at who they have coming back and – you know, Miles Cheatham is really the only significant loss. You know, that's a multi-year yeah. starter, and that's going to be tough to replace. But Thomas is back. Kashawn Banks is back. You know, Connor Mitchell, Jonah Tavai. Trick Thompson's pretty know. good, right? Is he pretty good? Yeah, yeah. Darren Hall. Obviously, Kaivichino is another one of those yeah. guys. You know, like Ismail, that are going to be it's a big loss. Very big. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult to replace 100 percent of that production. Which is why I think someone like Michael Shawcroft could be one of the biggest X factors in the entire conference this year. Because he saw playing time all last year, but now all of a sudden he's dude in the middle of that defense. And while he's going to be flanked by some pretty solid contributors in their own right, and guys like you know, Kaden McDonald, Andrew Alecki, who combined for 10 TFLs last year, you know, if he can come in and be, I don't know, 80%, of what Tizino was right off the bat, I think that that would be a huge win for this defense overall. 80% of him is probably at least second team all conference, right? Yeah, I think that I think that's probably right. Yeah. Just be in that range. And I'm looking at like the uh, the radar Bill C puts out. It's pretty big for defense from last yes. year. I mean, but, if, if there's one kind of nitpick that this defense will want to address going into 2020, is that for, for as strong as they were defending the run, you know, they could perhaps improve their pass rush a little bit. Yes. Because they, it was 6.2% um, their sack rate, which was 70th in the F, in the FBS. And it's yeah. kind of been where, they, you know, that's been the, kind of their level the last few seasons. But, yeah, again, that's one of those things. We're nitpicking, where, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, the, if those guys up front take a step forward, then that rectifies itself pretty quickly. But also, that's still like right about average of the country, just below. If you have everything else, top 10, top 5, top 15, 
one category, what do you say, 78, that's what, just 60, 68%, 70%. That's fine. Well, and, e- and even if they don't, you know, the secondary, even despite, again, losing a couple of key pieces, mm-hmm. I still expect I still expect them to be awesome. Yeah, they're, this is going to be, like, they have a new coach, so that's a thing, new, basically a new defensive coordinator, but I hope, like, what was that? Kurt Maddox. Kurt Maddox. Where did he come from again? I believe Eastern Kentucky. That's right, Eastern Kentucky. I was looking up here and I kind of bounced around my pages here. But, like, well, for as much as Hope, Brady Hoke, like his offense, I stick a defensive coach. He always coaches the defense side of the ball when he's not a head coach. Mm-hmm. Like, he, what he was, a defense line coach this time, like, past couple years. And yeah. so it's not like just because he wants an offense that's more wide open, what he did at Ball State, Aztecs last time around over at Michigan. It's still he's still a defensive focused guy, which why it made the most sense to just slide him in to be the head coach over when Rocky Long stepped down. Mm-hmm. And so the defense, like our confidence level of the defense, is probably as where it should be. Like it's going to be great no matter what. I may maybe I'll take a small five percentage points down because it's a new coach and new coaches a little bit. But with Hoke being around, it's not like these guys have a whole brand new hundred percent staff. So like if mm-hmm. the defense is five percent worse. It's still really, really good, but you point out like the guys coming back, like this defensive front is going to be one of the best in the country again. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's one question to solve on the back end, it's trying to reestablish the depth they had at cornerback last year because, you know, obviously they're losing a couple of really huge pieces here in Luke Barku and Kyrie Woods, but yeah. you know they were without Woods for most of last year after he suffered it. I think it was a season-ending injury. I can't remember if it was an ACL or not. But, you know, all of a sudden, Darren Hall is stepping up, and they didn't miss a beat at all. You know, now Barku is gone. Hall's definitely going to lock down one spot, and he's probably, like, the next great Aztecs quarterback already. Um, and, you know, you'd imagine that Eric Wilson is probably going to be the guy to have first crack at uh, settling down at the other cornerback spot. But when you look at the 2020 roster, they've only got three other cornerbacks listed on the roster. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the young guys like Sidarius Barfield, Terry Bracey to step up and be that third or fourth guy. Because, you know, last year and in years past, that's, you know, those secondary pieces have been the ones that have really made this unit go. Yeah, and it's all the new guys. So it's like they do remember three, three, five. They need a lot of guys back there in the secondary. So yeah. if you have only and, three and, quarterbacks listed. And thankfully they have no such questions as safety. Yeah, they're pretty good, right? <laughs> They've got at least four guys who are really, really good. You Just know, to, obviously headlined by Tariq Thompson, who's been seemingly awesome since day one, three years ago. But yeah, maybe he's in, he's, he's in the he's in the conversation as being, you know, the best player in the conference, in my opinion. Ooh, early defensive player of the year talk. I like it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and this is and that says nothing of the fact that Dwayne Johnson Jr. is another guy like like Cameron Thomas, who is a PFF darling, and you know he's back there. He's you know the new Parker Baldwin, um, and you know beyond him, you know Trenton Thompson and Taylor Hawkins have both seen plenty of playing time, plenty of starts over the last couple of years. So those those are four guys right there who should definitely anchor the back end and make it the kind of no fly zone that San Diego State fans have become accustomed to. It's obviously going to be really hard to replicate the, you know, a one ten point twenty five passer rating that they allowed last year. But you know, even despite the coaching turnover, even despite losing a couple of big names on defense, would you really bet against them at least approaching that again? Because I wouldn't. No, they're going to be like again with all the safeties. Maybe they could slot one at cornerback, or that one plays the uh, fifth uh, defensive back position there. Not a CB. You know, I mean, the guy is kind of the. Kind of linebacker slash safety, they yeah. there's gonna they're gonna put them on the field. They're gonna put they're gonna put their best players out there. And safety position is deep. Maybe you have one of those guys play corner every now and then, or just be out that like I said that fifth guy to do the defensive back to make plays. But like they they make plays like Luke Barker, three interceptions in our last year and three passes I think or something like that. They have pass breakups. They get to the ball. The, I guess the next thing is like I said if they can get to the QB a bit more. Like imagine if they can get to the QB more. Maybe it's not even sacks, but maybe they get to them quicker get their hands up, that'll help those guys get picks like last year. Breakups and uh, more interceptions if they can get a pass rush to disrupt the quarterback and you already have this great talent back there. Because that can offset that as well because, okay, there's no pass rush, or I guess not no pass rush, but just an okay pass rush. It's going to be hard for DBs to cover the receiver tight ends for multiple seconds, but they're that good. They can handle 
a pass rush that may not be great. And if it gets yeah. a little bit better, even if it's just 40th in the country, just slightly above average, and the DBs are basically at their last or maybe a touch worse just for whatever reason because this cornerback depth isn't as what it was last year, um, that'll still make them better overall. Like if you could jump 20 percentage points here but lose five here, and they may lose it anyways because if your pass rush increases, there could be fewer opportunities to make the DBs make a play because you're getting more sacks or something. And so that's one way where DBs, oh, they're just they're a little bit worse than last year, but dude, this defensive end has seven sacks and you know what I mean? Getting to the quarterback three pass defended passes off the line of scrimmage. So it can balance out to where just to that what I extendedly say, where one area gets a touch worse, but one area gets way better, helps everybody overall. But they have the depth everywhere to where defense is gonna be amazing. Like they can go out and beat all, pretty much anybody on the schedule. Like for who they have to play and what's on what's on the lineup. It could be a similar setup to last year. Mm-hmm. So what do we got? What do you got for special teams, Matt? What are you thinking? Well, special teams are another one of those things where, again, like the defense, they were. I mean, by SP plus, they were even better than the defense was last year. Oh boy, that's they good. were tenth overall in the country, but that might be a little tougher to replicate this time around. And you know, it's not for lack of performance; it's because the bar was set so high that you almost expect at least a little bit of regression, you know, in part because, you know, one, Brandon Heiklin is gone and maybe he didn't get enough credit for being one of the better punters in the conference last year. Maybe that's because the Mountain West was flush with them, but mm. he was really good last year. And, you know, having to replace him is going to be a really tall task. The bright side is that they've got pretty much all of their other pieces coming back, like Matt Ariza, you know, similarly, maybe a little bit underrated last year, but he had a really good freshman campaign where he was 22 of 26 on field goals. And that includes being a seven and ten, seven of 10, excuse me, from 40 plus yards. And that's, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're never going to make San Diego State fans totally forget John Barron the second, but that was a pretty strong start in that regard. And as I mentioned earlier, Jordan Bird is coming back. He's probably going to be the primary return guy for kicks and punts. So, while expecting them to be 10th in the country again might be overly optimistic or that might be setting the bar really, really high, this is a part of the team that should still definitely be a strength. And, you know, in the event that the offense, you know, takes time to find its footing or things like that, I think the continued ability to play the field position game is going to be really important for them. And you can feel optimistic, I think, that they'll be able to do that. Yeah, it like and we got to really mention return guys will be one of the running backs that could yeah. be back there, and that's what they've done the past few years, like Chase Jasmine, Washington, everybody else Pumphrey before them. So special teams is good. That like we mentioned with Colorado State and other teams throughout we'll talk about punting don't disregard the punting game because if your defense is good as this and you need and you can pin somebody back even more, that's what else do you want? Like your offense stalls, crap. Oh, we're at midfield. Okay, we'll get you down the five-yard line and uh, force you back, and we'll get the ball to our own 40. Or your, yeah. your 40, I should say, the other 40. So it'll be great. So uh, are, are we scheduled time yet? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. First up, I have my color-coded schedule here, including toss-ups that I'll post later whenever we release our release schedules when the season begins. Sacramento State week one, obviously victory, right? Uh, well... Well, last year Weber State, so maybe not so much. Six last up. year was a little bit dicey, but also this is not your your older brother's Sacramento State or even two years ago's Sacramento State. This was an FCS team that was very much improved last year. You know, they were uh, new head coach last year. They had um, new head coach, and you know, but in some corners of the FCS world, like Hero Sports, for instance, they're already getting a lot of preseason love. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, that. They're ranked site. top 25. They're ranked, well, by Hero Sports, they're ranked fourth in the preseason top 25. Pretty good. And they've got three preseason All-Americans, potentially, and in, in quarterback Kevin Thompson and running back Elijah Dotson and wide receiver Pierre Williams. So, you know, this was a team that, you know, <laughs> it's a team that you can't overlook. No, you especially, can't. Yeah. Especially with the questions that San Diego State's probably going to need a little bit of time to resolve. Like, it's the kind of situation where if if things are sluggish, they could get snake bit. You would think with the players on last year's game, last year's team and coaches, including Brittany Hoke, that they're going to be reminded the Weber State outcome, 6-0. Yeah. 
And so they they've had some hiccups with FCS teams like playing closer than they should because sometimes that San Diego State, Sacramento State a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. Where they'll play to the competition a little bit here and there. And so, I so exp- I mean, they should win, but they should win. Don't take them lightly. It's but do not take these Hornets lightly now. They're not the murder hornets, but hope that's okay. <laughs> not quite. No. <laughs> if you lose, they might be. That could be their nickname. People giving them the murder hornets, but uh, it should be a victory next week. They go. They, I like their schedule because it's like every other week at home, which is pretty nice. They go to Toledo, and if you look at like FP, SP Plus and everything, they're ninety-five. It's on the road, and the win probability is like a toss-up. I'm not sure if this will be a toss-up. Well, Toledo had a down year last year, but that was for a number of reasons. What you know, cheap among them, I would say, the fact that they went through three different quarterbacks because of injuries. That's right, concussion, shoulder stuff, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Eli Peters is back, and when he was healthy, he was he he had improved upon his performance from 2018. And behind him, they've got a pair of really good running backs, and Bryant Kobach and Shakeep Seymour, who averaged five and a half yards per carry on 349 attempts. Um, and on the other side of the ball, it's they they definitely took some lumps on defense last year, but they were also super young, and most of their productive pieces are back. So again, if San Diego State gets off to a slow start, or if they if they end up being the kind of team they were early on last year, where the the defense was clearly awesome out the gates and the offense took time to get going. Like the Sacramento State game, this is another game that could be closer than maybe it should. It could, but with the quarterback play being not great last year, they bring three guys back. They bring in a freshman, or, or yeah, there's like four guys. They, they don't. With, it, again, it sucks. No spring football, or depending if they get extended practices over the summer, they're mm-hmm. going to uh, not know who their quarterback is, even though the guys played. So there's kind of a what do you wait more? Okay, these guys played, but they weren't great. How are we going to mix these guys in? That doesn't help. They're going to be relying heavily on that running game, and so that's what they're going to be doing. They play. Uh, Tulsa the week before. Is that a conference game week one for them? Tulsa? No. No, no, sorry. Tol- sorry. Tulsa's an American, right? Yes. That? I Sorry. Realignment. Oh, geez. They were never in the same conference. I just saw a school like, yeah, maybe. But Tulsa's not a bad team they play. So they'll have they'll have better competition they played against compared to the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. But Toledo, like Jason Candle's been there for a while. And last year was more of an aberration to what they normally do. T- Toledo yeah. typically go to challenges for the MAC title. They usually have good quarterback play. They always have good running back play. Like Kareem Hunt a couple years ago. They have really good running backs. Um, it was just a year where they went six and six and weren't great. Defense fell apart. So they brought in new coaches to come in, like a a stud high school guy from where they go, some Tampa high school to be co defensive coordinator. That's kind of interesting. A high school coach coming to be your co DC. It's a little, it's a little different. But I'm predicting San Diego State to win because if you have quarterback issues and going up against the secondary, come on. But no, I mean, I, def- I think it'll be competitive in a lot of oh. respects, but I do expect the Aztecs to win this game. Would you put it in the toss-up category? I would. Okay, that's my thought, too. All right, next week, UCLA. Are they going 2-0 versus the Bruins? I think so. Chip Kelly, what's he doing? Does he know how to coach football anymore? They, they do have a lot coming back on offense. For for whatever that's worth, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but the defense was also hot trash last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just if you look in terms of yards per play allowed, they were dead last in the Pac-12, six point seven one yards per play. And you know, if you were an Aztecs fan watching that game in the Rose Bowl last year, you saw that up close and personal. You saw that why, yeah. Um, which isn't to say that they're totally devoid of talent on that side of the ball. You know, they have uh, Osa Odigizua and uh, Lenny Toa'iloa, who combined for 17 TFLs. So, I mean, they've got some pieces back there, but it would kind of shock me if if the Bruins came away with a win in this one. Yeah, they should. Like, here's the thing about Chip Kelly. Like, the reason he's so good at Oregon, and before that, because nobody's running his offense. Not everybody runs it. Yeah. It's not as a unique or one-off, and clearly talent is thing compared to Oregon, UCLA at the time, because he took... He was a coach when Oregon went to the title game, right? The BCS championship game for mm-hmm. Auburn, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, when he's there doing that, and the offense is new, he has great speed, great talent, and you figured, oh, I'm in Southern California. I'll go to UCLA. But people are doing what he's all, already been done. And so, it's not like, oh, it's off guard. It's What is it, year three for him? Is that right? Year two? Uh, yes. Which one? Two or three? I think it's year three. Okay. So, he needs to get things together because in two losing seasons – 
Like, I watched the game, too. When they played Utah, that was 49-3. to It was, like, laughable how terrible they were. Like, and Utah's great last year, but, like, they were getting smoked. Like, they lost to Cal, who had, like, nobody on the roster at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are they doing? They lost to Oregon State, who improved. Like, they losing to Arizona. It's like, what are you guys doing? They, I do remember the Washington State game, which was amazing, but that's, like, the one-off game where they come back. And so, I, like... What they have on their team, it's they should have talent, which there's no denying. But is do you think it's more of a coaching thing, or is it a talent like talent type of deal for why UCLA has been so bad? I mean, I feel like through two years, it's probably a coaching thing. Yeah, because they do have Dorian Rob, Thomas Robinson back. He's supposed to be some amazing quarterback, but he barely completes. Like he's just above fifty nine percent, like double digit interceptions. Like he shows a couple things here and there, but he's not consistent by any means. Like, 500 yards versus Washington State. And then, like, 176 versus Arizona State. Or he has multiple picks versus Cincinnati and Utah two picks. Or he goes, like, two intercept, two t- touchdowns, no picks. Or three and one against USC in the loss. So, he's all over the place. Offensive line didn't help him out either when he got sacked, like, 30-something times. Mm-hmm. But I would say, I'd still put this in a toss-up, but they're at home, whatever you want to feel for the home field advantages for, the Bre- for San Diego State. But, like... Technically, UCLA is favored to touch, but I think it's more just recruiting and talent compared to coaching scheme and production. Honestly, I feel like this is less of a toss-up than Toledo. You're more confident being the Bruins than the Rockets? Yes. Ooh, that's, that's spicy. UCLA is, UCLA is bad, man. Oh, oh, I know. I've seen them plenty in Pac-12. They're not good. Uh, so I think, I think if the Aztecs don't win this game, it's going to be a huge disappointment. I would agree with you there. Um, so not a toss-up? I mean, in my opinion, no. Okay. So there at least is less of a toss up. I would say if Toledo's fifty fifty, I would say UCLA is like sixty forty or sixty five thirty five or something like that. I think with SP plus putting a heavy emphasis or emphasis on recruiting, that's where that edge comes up. Like if you're to take away just talent on the field, like who's on your roster, I think Aztecs would be favored in that game. Mm -hmm. So, but I think I think it's a part of this. Like it's recruiting thing. They get a better class no matter what, almost no matter what. So that gives them a. What a five percent boost in these things, yeah. So, all right, then they start conference play at Nevada, the only coach t- team in the Mountain West in the West Division without a new head coach outside of San Jose State. So, sorry, two teams. <laughs> so, there, there, there's no reason to lose to Nevada either, is there? They almost, lo- I mean, didn't, they almost lost to Nevada last year. I know, but that's last year. I'm looking at this year. <laughs> well, <laughs> can Nevada run the ball toe tower? They can, can Nevada keep a quarterback on their team? They lost another quarterback recently to transfer. And I mean, I think that I think that that matters less considering they already have a they already have quarterback pretty well established. Sure, you know, just trying to put some out there, stir it up a little bit. <laughs> but like this team, like Nevada was third in the mountain. Like they were okay last year. Like they we'll get into more in depth Nevada, so we're not going to gloss over. But we want to give Aztec fans a little bit about Nevada because they may not want to go listen to the whole Nevada preview. Mm-hmm. So. But, like, having Carson Strong back is good. Like, they have the base to be a pretty good team, you would think, or above average team, like at least a maybe seven, maybe eight-win team somewhere in that range. But you need a quarterback who could throw a, bit, a touch better, more touchdowns for your picks. I guess when it's full-time, we'll see. But, I, again, I go back to, for me, Toa Tao, where he was okay. He didn't take the step I wanted him to take last year. And that was <clears> a problem. And if he takes that step, if you have guys like uh, Devontae Lee take a step as well, this will be a challenging game for San Diego State. Okay, if you want, if you want my short version of this, mm-hmm. I think ultimately this is the game that decides the West Division. Ooh, I could see that because what? Well, I'll, you go. It's your thought. Go for it. Because you know, and obviously, I'll get into more uh, get into this in more depth when we get to the Wolf Pack. But in, in, TLDR, they were kind of lucky last year to get to where they ended up. But this year, I think they could be pretty good. What, what's what's I, the reason for taking the step? I see them as being kind of the mirror image of San Diego State, where, in my opinion, they're kind of loaded on offense. And if they can get, if they can put it together consistently, then you know, all of a sudden, you're not looking at an eight win team. You could be looking at a ten win team out there. You think so? They could be I, that. Maybe. Ooh. I mean, I think it's within the realm of possibility. We'll have to discuss this later in the Nevada podcast. The 10-win Nevada team, that'd be the first time in a while, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, probably since the Chris Alt days. Yeah, so I was thinking back in the pistol. Colin Kaepernick days, maybe. You know what I mean? Probably. Yeah, and, well, actually, and again, I, I stand corrected. Nevada actually won this game last year. Oh, we. Oh, that's right. There's one of the, what, the close, close uh, at San Diego State, too. Yeah, so. Revenge. So I'm not going to be surprised <laughs> if it happens again. And as a matter of fact, I have it penciled in that way. Ooh, so it's a toss-up? Well, I, I think it's definitely going to be a toss-up, but I have Nevada winning this game. Ooh. Now you're making me think here a little bit. Because uh, I currently have Nevada in my bright green victory on the road for San, for, for the San Diego State matchup. That's reasonable. I It's it's going to be a close game because both like again, both these are pretty good. And I can see your point where it could decide to West or not because, again, San Jose State's not going to be very good. Every other team has a new coach out West. Like, Unilvies, no. Um, Hawaii could be a close challenger, but not really. I put. I'll, I think San Diego State's a clear favorite, so I'm going to pick them to win this game. But based on last year and this being on the road, and whatever you want to say, playing New Silly the week before, I'm going to go for a win. But I could. I wouldn't be overly shocked if Nevada gets up, especially with if the guys who are juniors now, who played as true freshmen, to actually take that big step in. And again, like I mentioned, quarterback play. Part of it was last year they were bouncing all over the place, and that's consistent with the one guy. That's going to be an edge room too, but I'm I th- I'm going to label it officially toss up, but for San Diego State. Okay. Is UNLV just a victory? Move on. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Utah State. That's intriguing to me. Um, we already mentioned last time. Obviously, we mentioned all these teams throughout the p- podcast each week when they're on schedule. But Gary, since second year, if Henry Columbia like the quarterback, they lose like Tipaglia, David Woodward, all these guys. Um, Sosie Marin, a wide receiver. I'll just mention again, Jalen Warren every week. He's going to be an underrated player. I don't know if people are going to be looking for because he's really good running the ball. But it is on the road, but it's also midseason. There's no snow, ice issue, weather coming up. But I think with what Utah State, like there's, there's a reason like all the betting sites have them kind of uh, almost fifth in the conference to win the or win the division, the mountain side. Mm-hmm. And we're losing Jordan Love as part of it, even though it wasn't great last year. I don't expect Utah State to drastically go back to David Yost style offense, throwing like crazy. So they're going to rely heavily running the ball. And what do they have? Sixty Matt. They stopped the ball, the running game. So there you go. So what do you have that one as? Aztec win. Come on. Yeah, you... I have that one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, Utah State's not a pushover, but I just don't think they're going to be above average this year. Okay, one of the biggest games you got at Wyoming. What's your thoughts of going to Laramie? In mid October, is it? Too, I mean, is it fair to say that we could expect another classic between these two teams? I always want a classic every week. Give me that all the time. So I'll agree. With you. <laughs> That's true. I mean, but I mean, especially recently, the, like you just look at the last three games that these two teams have played, going back to the, the 2016 game in Laramie. You know, you're t- the last three games have been decided by a total of eight points. Including last year, where, where the Aztecs really held off the Cowboys late to, to win that one at home. So, I mean, I think obviously Wyoming's got a lot of pieces to replace. You know, I mean, kind of like kind of like San Diego State in a lot of respects because they've got a guy in the middle, Logan Wilson, that they're going to have to replace, and, and Cash Mylula behind him. You know, they got some pieces to replace in the secondary themselves. So, there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. But it's what's interesting to me is like you would kind of expect them to do different things going into 2020. Like uh, you don't expect San Diego state to try to regress offensively and run the ball as much as Wyoming ultimately ended up doing last year. And at least as far as I can tell at, at this juncture, when we're recording in late May that they seem likely to do again. So it, it to me, this again, this seems like another toss up matchup where it could go either way. It definitely should. I would say if you're – here's what it will come down to is something we don't know, the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the guy who passes the ball or the guy who runs exclusively in Sean Chambers? And so that's going to – it's going to – at this point, you said we're recording almost first of June, end of May, Memorial Weekend here. Like if it's Levi Williams, okay, he passed the ball a bit more, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sean Chambers who runs the ball. They already also have Xavier DeValade, the best running back in the conference, I believe. And so they're going to stick to running the ball. But if they have that passing element, that's going to be could be the difference in this game. And then, well, you mentioned like if I am, if you're Wyoming and you have to replace some defense and you're playing San Diego State, that's not the worst thing in the world. You know what I mean? Like 
they're not going to blow you up running the ball possibly, but they're not going to blow you up in the secondary like with Al, what's his name, Albert gone on the team as well. So that's and midseason as well, so a lot could change. But the biggest factor for me in this game will be Aztec stopping the running game, and then whatever Wyoming rolls out at quarterback, whatever type of uh, whatever they do, because mm-hmm. if it's if it's either quarterback, they definitely could still win. But if it's Levi who throws the ball a bit more, that would help them tremendously, in my opinion, to get better, just to be more versatile, not just uh, throwing the ball like an academy ten times a game. So my pick and, and is to that to ooh. that point. As a reminder, the Cowboys were five of fourteen through the air for 109 yards, a touchdown, and interception in last year's matchup with Sean Chambers, right? Uh, you know what? I don't I don't have that in front of me. I'm assuming it's Chambers. He was late, so that's not good. But again, he's not a throwing type of guy either. Mm-hmm. So my pick, I'm going Wyoming for the victory. It's definitely going to be another fist fight. And it's, I'm penciling it in as kind of a must-watch game. Ultimately, though, uh, I do have San Diego State winning this game. So what's your record for the Aztecs at this point? Undefeated? Uh, no, it's 6-1. and one. What's the one loss yet? I forget. To Toledo? Uh, at Nevada. Oh, at Nevada. Okay. I'm sitting here 2, 3, 4, 5, 6-1 at this point. Question. Let me back up like last show. If they're 6-0 and over Utah State, are they going to be ranked? I think so. Will I they be ranked at three now after UCLA? No, no. You don't think they'll get any preseason votes at all? I don't think so. Ooh, interesting. Okay, just get that. All right, San Jose State victory, right? I think so. Yeah. We talked about CSU last week. We both, I believe, we both had a victory. Mm-hmm. I guess this this will be a good matchup if you want to watch a wide receiver DB matchup. That'll be a pretty exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. because of what both teams have. But would this be the uh, – I know everybody Ross, he's, he's kind of getting after, after me saying Rams could have the best offense. But I'm not going to back down from that. I think there's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But do you think this – I think this is going to be the best receiver DB matchup all year. People need to watch. I can get behind that. Okay. Then they go to BYU. Can it be better than last year? What can we do to make it better than last year? <laughs> Help me out. I don't know. You tell me. How is BYU looking at this juncture? <laughs> I think it's Zach Wilson at quarterback. I think uh, it, it could be like like it, okay end of the year game. So what are, what are we gonna know now? Um, new running back again. Um, new running game because Tyson Williams is gone. They have Alpina Katoa back there. They've like got defensive line Kyrie's Tonga. Defense should be pretty good, um, but it's I don't really think it's it, well. I guess it doesn't matter. Tyson Williams didn't play last year. He was out like in week four or something. So he wasn't even around, so never mind on that part. Unless you're playing BYU early and played him last year, Tyson Williams. But it's a team where, like, BYU's a team at this point where it's like, yeah, they might be like a six-win team, but they get beat up by playing all those P5 teams early on. Like, they got Utah, like last year, Tennessee, USC, Washington. It's a team that's okay, and they're gonna, they can challenge San Diego State. But at this point, like, until BYU does something, like, above average and not get the random victory over Wisconsin – and then lose to South Florida and Toledo. It's like, what, what do you got from them? Like, they have, they'll have decent talent, but quarterback right now, what we do know is Zach Wilson should be fully healthy start the year. They still have Jaron Hall, we still have Baylor Romney back there. I don't think, I don't honestly don't think Zach Wilson's the best quarterback. They should go to Romney, but Wilson's kind of like the higher recruit guy, so they may stick with him. So there's that, but I'm going Aztecs to win even on the road. You think so? Yeah, what do you think? Isn't BYU generally tougher at home? Yeah, because last year Toledo, South Florida, and Aztecs losses were on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they had. they beat USC at home. They beat Tennessee on the road. But then again, USC took like a tip pass to get to, to get an overtime victory. They are better at home, like any team. That's nothing shocking to say they're better at home. But how I mean, much? It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if the offense, if the offensive struggles end up kind of betraying them in this game, especially on in a tough road environment. Oh. It, for yeah, I, I can see that, and like they BYU also fans hate San Diego State. They're not, they're no fans of the former Mountain West team. Yeah, I um, have this one as a loss for the Aztecs. Oh, you're going against the Aztecs. Oh man, people are not going to like you. What's your reason behind the loss besides being on the road? It's just you know, and I think this is a common tenor that I haven't really mentioned at all because it's just it's hard to know how good the offense is going to be. Yeah. And, and that's going to make a lot of these games a lot more precarious, I think, than they otherwise should be. Like, if, if they had the offense, I think that we had been accustomed to 
you know, in, in, in Richard Penny's last year, for instance, then I think that a lot of these projections are a lot more clear, would be a lot more clear cut. But because they have just enough questions this time around, it, you know, everybody keeps saying that the, the Essex are the clear cut favorite in the division. And I'm just right now, I'm not sure that that's the case. Like I, I don't, and this is not to say that I think there is a clear cut favorite in the division. It seems like I would say charitably three or four teams could ultimately win it. Four? What's the fourth team? I three think or, that, three or four. Okay, we know. Okay, who's the fourth team then? Because I think Nevada is in there, Hawaii, and San Diego State. I mean, I would probably take Hawaii out. You would Fresno instead? I would put Fresno and I put San Jose State in there. R- Come on, no. There, and this is this is the product of every team having a ton of questions. <laughs> yeah, but come on, San Jose State. You're okay. You're on them last year to do quite well, so that's why I can get your your that from that point. But I don't think they're going to challenge at all. This is the same reason why I have San Diego State losing at Fresno too. What? Yeah. One quick thing on BYU, real quick. There are the best receivers to tight end, Matt Bushman, who's really really good. They have nobody to throw the ball to. And what's Aztec's best part of the defense? The secondary. So, like, like, I don't think that the Bulldogs are going to rebound all the way to where they were in, in 2017 and 2018 right away. But they're definitely going to be less dysfunctional on offense than they were last year. Even with a new quarterback, they'll be that much Even better? Even with a new quarterback, I think they'll be able to take a step forward again. Which is not to say that the offense was bad last year. But they were a little more mistake prone than I think a lot of Fresno State fans have become accustomed to over the last couple of years. You mean late game situational plays versus USC? In Minnesota. And Minnesota or whatever. And, and, and San Diego State for that. <laughs> exactly. I'm saying so maybe you're right on that. So who's like who's the front runner for quarterback? Who do you think will get the best chance or best two guys for the chance? Well, I think right now the two most clear cut options are either Jake Hayner, the uh, the transfer from Washington or Ben Woolridge, who's been in the system for a couple of years. Interesting. Okay. Um, also, we do, uh, they got the new head coach, but new old head coach, right? New old mm-hmm. coach, not head coach. Uh, it's on the road. I'm. I this game right now. My schedule currently sits as white because I'm not sure. You're not sure. <laughs> I'm leaning toward a win, but it's a. Uh, I, I I know Fresno is going to be better. I'm just not sure last how much better because last year wasn't clearly wasn't great, and you have a coach step down, you have a new, new quarterback. When it wasn't all Jorge Reina's fault last year, the offensive line wasn't giving him anything to work with too much either. Um, running game is going to be pretty good, but I'm just I'm just going to go toss. I am going to lean toss up. I'm going to San Diego State. Sorry, Matt. Okay, no, that's that's fair. And then what do you got for Hawaii? It's at home, end of the year. I have that one as a win. You do for the Aztecs. I actually haven't lost, but I'm not sure about it anymore. Oh, Aztec loss. Part of the reason, if I have them winning, they're 11-1 on my end. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say this a lot, especially with the West Division teams. The West Division is going to be really hard to figure out this year. Again, again four new coaches, right? New quarterbacks mm-hmm. all around. I'm changing to a win because what you just mentioned, new coaches, uh, new talent. It's a home game. Um, I don't think it'll decide the season, but Hawaii, like, we'll see what Todd, Todd Graham does. Is he going to... Uh, keep the offense high-flying. Hawaii has a big question at wide receivers. Quarterback play should be fine, but Shavon Cordero played a lot, but he didn't play as much last year as year before. And so, or he just, late late season, I should say, he didn't get the opportunities like he had been. But it'll be a challenge, but it's also game 12 of the year. Everybody should be what they're going to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Hawaii, there's a lot, all the questions. And I guess you should... I think in this situation, if you're the more experienced team, even with the Aztecs sort of a new head coach, new head coach, just go with the go with the team that's better suited and who's coming back and more stable. And I I would go with San Diego State being more stable. Yeah. So I have them. Am I crazy for eleven to one, Matt? Am I that crazy? That is very optimistic. I mean, I, just, if you look at SP Plus, for instance, mm-hmm. if they give the Aztecs a one point five percent chance at eleven wins or more. That's right. And, you know, this, I mean, with the schedule that they have this year, no, it's not inconceivable that they could run the table. You know, we had the same kind of conversation with uh, Colorado State in the last podcast, but they're in a same kind of situation where if you just look in terms of like opponents winning record or win loss record last year, 
it's slightly below average. So there is opportunity there for the Aztecs to make some hay, especially if the offense can come together faster than they did last year. The, the question there is, is what happens if, if that doesn't happen and if they scuffle in the same way that they did last year? There's then, a lot of toss then you start Then you start delving into the territory where you know they could fall all the way back to 6-6. Six and six. Because that, we've mentioned the fact that there's probably a lot of toss-up games on this schedule. For me, I have one, two, three, four, five toss-up games. That doesn't even include BYU. Does not. And and you know, to me, the conversation around this year's Aztecs team is sort of similar to the conversation we had about last year's Utah State team, where you know they were replacing the head coach, they were replacing some key pieces on both sides of the ball, and I think we both expected more of the Aggies than we ultimately got last fall. And, you know, there's the possibility where they could fall all the way back from 10 wins to six wins or seven wins. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on the offense. So what is what's your record? You, I have them at nine and three. OK, so and you're up six to two. and two in conference. Yeah, and then sweeping the West Division, 11-1 overall, losing to Wyoming. But it, like there's all these toss up games like could they lose to Toledo. Yeah. UCLA. Yeah. Nevada. I maybe I'll remove the toss up label there, but I think they could take care of Nevada. But they don't have a bye week to like week eight, the, the Halloween week when everybody plays. They have their off. That's late in the season. Um, the road games are pretty good teams. You know what I mean? Like they're looking at kind of where the schedule plays out. It's not too bad. Like the CSU, BYU, Fresno, Hawaii runs not easy because those teams. I think all those teams should be bull eligible. So it's different. But you got Wyoming, and it's. Uh, it's a schedule where, like, there's reason I have all these toss up. Like, Bill C has like seven toss up games, doesn't he? On there, I believe. Yeah, seven, eight toss up games. So, like, the schedule, like, you're right. They could go anywhere from like in a vacuum. Every game's winnable on the schedule. Every single game they can win. Technically, they're favored in 11 of 12 games. The new UCLA game is 49 percent win probability. So, they're each game is winnable, but they're not going to win every game. I'd, I'd be highly unlikely. That's why. Going twelve and zero is like point one percent or something. You know what I mean? Like hardly anything. Yeah. But there's like they could go like if they lose like th- there's a chance like I don't want to be alarmist but there could be a chance they could not be bowl eligible for who's on the schedule. Like I don't see it being likely, but the teams they play and where like there's like if you're looking at all like likely victories like first year fire wins there's only I think three on the schedule. Mm-hmm. UNLV, San Jose State, and Sac State. Colorado State's close, but still not a for sure. That's only three for sure victories. Nevada's a decent team. You go on the road. Toledo could improve, so they're probably going to get to six, but there's enough questions on the schedule if some, like you're right, if the quarterback play is not very good. If the there, running there game could can't. A, there could be a lot of 17 to 13 type results. Yeah. And the big question will be whether they end up on the winning side of that or the losing yeah. side of that. I think we're more to the winning side, but uh, maybe me a bit more. But it's just, uh, yeah, there's not questions. But the schedule's good enough. The teams they play are good enough to beat them as they are good enough to beat who's on the schedule. Yeah. All right, anything else you need to add? We've eclipsed our hour, reg- our hour requirement. <laughs> I think we are all set. All right, so that's our Aztec preview. If you disagree, that's fine. If you agree, that's fine too. MWCY on Twitter. You can uh, check all of our written stuff. We're starting our, our yeah, our offensive, uh, or excuse me, out-of-conference previews. We've got a couple of those rolling out. Probably trying to do a couple a day. We'll see how that works out because everybody's busy. But podcasts, we're at Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, drop a podcast, Stitcher, anywhere we're out there. Go get them there. Let us know if you like it or not like it. That's great. Remember, I have Aztecs 11 one so keep that in mind if you're going to review the podcast and you're an Aztec fan. <laughs> I got them on the winning side. So we'll be back next show. Um, Matt, we doing a poll again, I guess? Yeah, as always. We will. Yeah, we'll make a poll. So we'll be back next week. We'll let you know what that is. Questions are encouraged. Uh, we didn't get to them this time because we recorded the touch earlier. So sorry about that. But that's it for this show. And we'll be back next week to preview team number three.